worship team. Well, hey guys, uh, good to be with you this morning. I'm Ryan. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. And I just want to start off our day today, and I want to ask a very specific question, and I want some help with this. Does anyone have a story, a brief story they'd like to share of when you've had the opportunity to share the love of Jesus with someone lately and how it went? Maybe it went great, maybe it sucked, whatever. How did you, does anyone have a, a story they want to share of when they told someone about Jesus lately? No one's told anyone about Jesus? Or no one wants to share? Anyone? Anyone? Last Bueller? Wow. All right. Well, hopefully next week. Oh, someone's got their hand up. There you go. Thanks, Lynn. Thank you, Rachel. Oh, it's on? Okay. Um, this was probably about a year ago, and it's a fun story because uh, another couple and my husband and I were out at dinner at um, Jeff Ruby's Precinct, Millen, uh, <laughs> and out of nowhere, it was just us and this other couple on the patio just having a good time, and there was one other couple left, and he just busted out, got down on one knee, and proposed, and it was really cool. They were young, finishing up college, um, and like we were just like, hey, congratulations, and we sent them a dessert, and then I went over to the table, and I was like, hey, this might be weird, and I'm sorry, but I'm gonna do it anyway, but is there any way we can just pray over you guys, and we wanna bless your engagement, and your marriage, and your future, and you know, whatever that may entail, and the girl just started sobbing, wow. and she was like, I would love that. That's the coolest thing. I could not expect anything wow. more from anybody, and I would never have expected that. And I just am wow. so blessed that you are blessing our marriage, even though you don't know us, you don't know what we believe, but you're blessing our whole marriage going forward. So wow. it was just one of those random cool things that happened and was received well. So Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you, Rachel. Yeah. That, is, that is sweet. That is, thank you. And that's, um, yeah, because, and that kind of goes, I was thinking this, this week, we're in between series, and we're going to start a series next week called Elephant in the Room, and it's about uh, like mental, mental health, just about being healthy and dealing. I think that the church has really dropped the ball on a lot of mental health issues. There's a lot of people struggling with things, with hurts, habits, hang-ups, and uh, depression, anxiety, fear, suicide. I mean, people have family members that are schizophrenic, bipolar, or maybe you are, or whatever, and it's like, I think the church has not given this stuff enough, enough airtime, and let's just face it, it has been hard, hard, hard for a lot of people to feel like they're navigating that stuff alone. So the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about elephant in the room. Um, but I was, I was praying about what to um, speak on today. I kept just kind of getting the sense of um, the question, if our church ceased to exist, would our uh, community miss anything? If Vineyard Florence just, an asteroid hits it today, hopefully we're all out of here if it does. Um, if an asteroid just hits it or it just shuts down or we just go away, scandal, bankruptcy, all hypothetical, none of that's happening, okay? But if we just cease to exist, would Florence miss us? 
would Burlington miss us? Would there be any hole in our community if we went away? And I think we've seen in the last couple of years that the world would miss us. I think there, we've seen a flaw in the system. We saw a flaw in the system that the church, churches shut down, shuttered in, just like the rest of the world, and, ex, and evil exponentially increased in our culture and our world very quickly. Very quickly, like, things got really, didn't things shift a lot in the last couple years? Like, the morality, the moorings, the, the focus, the emphasis, it's like, because I think the church in mass did what the world did, and we just sh- shut down. And I think that the world would miss us, but would they miss us in a way that is um, specifically Vineyard Florence? And Barna research stats show a uh, overwhelming amount of research about 35 to 42% of all churches will shut down by the end of 2024 from what was started at the, at, in 2019. And that's uh, corroborated by some other national real estate studies that are showing churches closing down at an incredible clip. You can get on the MLS from Northern Kentucky or Greater Cincinnati, and you can find more churches for sale than any time probably in the last 20 years. There's just churches. It's just over. Curtains. And I wonder, does our collective story impact those around us? Does your collective story, does our family's story, does my story have any bearing on the world that I live in? And I wonder if we are fully aware, if we're kind of really wondering that question, if we're fully aware of how dear our life is to God and how much that our story matters to him, that he wants to use us, that he wants to partner with us personally to reach people. All of our potential for the kingdom is much more vital and bigger than we understand, I think, on so many levels. And last week, we talked about that God's promises to us are not guarantees. And that we don't want to be in an era where we miss the time of Jesus' visitation. Where there's things he's wanting to do on the earth, and not just on the earth, but in Florence, y'all, in our time, that he wants to do to us and through us. And one of the reasons we spent so much time the last year talking about it is because I think a lot of people wouldn't miss a lot of churches in the sense of services and buildings. I don't think they would. I think what they would miss are disciples. I think that what they would miss is the light in Jeff Ruby's that shares, can I pray for you? And people just don't know why they're crying. And I think because they're intersecting the, the presence of the Holy Spirit for the first time. Like, people would miss really good families. People would miss people that are really intentional. People would miss people that are lovers of others. And it's vitally important for us to not miss Jesus' visitation to understand the power of the gospel. I'm calling this message today just basically gospel fluency. Like, are you someone who's fluent in the gospel? Are, are you fluent in um, understanding what Jesus did for you and what your life means for other people? 
I mean, because when we talk about this discipleship stuff, the, the importance of discipleship is, is if I go away or Lucas goes away, like really at the end of the day, that's not the worst thing. It's not the worst thing if we've got other people raised up after us. It's not the worst thing if we have other people who can take the torch and do the same stuff because Jesus was way less about building churches than he was building the church. And I've said this, says before, when you build the church, you rarely get disciples. But when you build disciples, you always get the church. You always get the church. My friend Mike Breen says that, and I quote him on it. And it's true. And there's this thing about the priesthood of everyone. Like, do you know you are called to be able to teach, preach, pray, love others? And I don't mean teach in a sense that maybe... I'm not saying that you have to do this or you have to sing or whatever, but I'm saying we are all called to be able to share what Jesus has done for us. We're all called to. We're all called to. And I, I love what it says, um, uh, Revelation 12, 11, This verse has been on my heart a ton. And I think this is really the crux of what gospel fluency is. It says, and they have defeated him. This is Satan, like the evil one. By the blood of the lamb in the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. The blood of the lamb, that's the gospel story. That's this. That's what's in here. That's what like Jesus did. That's like God's love for people. Like uh, Lucas said this morning about God's yoke being easy and his burden being light. That's the good news is there's hope. The good news is there is hope. The good news is this isn't all there is. The good news is that um, God loves us. The good news is no matter how busted it's been, how broken it's been, how messed up it's been, how much it hurts, that this is not all there is. That's the good news. It's the good news is that like Jesus saves, Jesus died, he rose again, he paid it all, he took it all, he did it all, he wants all. He wants all of us to come unto him. But what does it mean, the word of our testimony? See, I think a lot of times we just, um, we, in our culture, we preach the gospel like it's just a ticket to heaven. Like, you got the five golden tickets, Willy Wonka. You get to go, and you and Augustus Galoop and whoever else get to go have the day and fun, and that's all it is, and it's the big event. And I think there's so much more to it. I love that it says the blood of the lamb. That's the gospel, but the word of our testimony. Like in this thing with Jesus, we are co-parsonaries. That means we're partners with him. Like he wants us to be able to do what he did. Like there's no junior Holy Spirit. There's no second rate Holy Spirit. There's no second coming coming. There's this just one thing right now. And it's that Jesus saves and he wants to fill us. And he wants us to be able to do the thing. Same things he did. Jesus wants us to be able to do what he did effectively, efficiently, and fluently. And that might feel like a really tall order. But man, I, I think like the, the gospel fluency is really, it's not about like being like a, like a wizard with the word or being able to teach Bible studies. I think it's like, can we effectively tell people what Jesus did for us? Do I realize in my life how good Jesus is and how much he's done for me? 
Like, that's the baseline of gospel fluency. And I think a lot of times we chalk it up to other things. We think it's this experience, it's this prayer, it's this teaching, or it's this time. But it's like on a day-by-day basis, do I realize how much Jesus did for me and how much my life matters, George Bailey? You know, like that, uh, like that great uh, Christmas movie, It's a Wonderful Life, when he's like, I wish I was never born. He's like, oh, that's the idea. Yeah, there it is. And he shows George how void, what a void he would leave in the world if he left, if he was never born. Like how much one life can impact others. And there's that thing with us, you're the same way, you have that same purpose. You have that same purpose that God made you for and remade you for, that your life has tremendous potential for impact. My life has tremendous potential for impact. And if we went away Hopefully it would leave a hole. Hopefully it would, because we're the light of the world. Like think about that. You, you church, say, I'm the light of the world. Say, you're the light of the world. Yeah, we are the light of the world. Like Jesus said that. Like think of the audacity that he said, and I've said this before too, is that the disciples, he said, it's better for you if I go away. And they're like thinking, what on earth? Because he said, the God with us thing, that whole forecast, uh, like in Isaiah, was about Emmanuel, which literally means God with us. Jesus says, listen, me everywhere is better than me just here. He says, my spirit will come inside of your life. It will come inside the lives of everyone you touch and everyone who, who will uh, have ears to hear my message. Everyone who'll come, I will touch your life, and then I will not just be in this, in this locale. I'll go to the ends of the earth. That's how the gospel spreads. And God does it by living epistles. I love what Paul says in uh, uh, 2 Corinthians 3. He says he has enabled us to be, uh, to be ministers of this new covenant. This is a covenant not written of written laws, but of the spirit. The written covenant ends to death. But he says, but we're under a new covenant. The spirit gives life. And he says that you are living epistles. He says, clearly you're a letter from Christ showing the result of our uh, work and ministry among you. This living epistle was not written with pen and ink, but with the spirit of the living God as carved not on tablets of stone, but on human hearts. Do you know your life? You're a living epistle. Like an epistle are the letters, like the Pauline letters, the Petrine letters, uh, Johannian letters, all the different letters, like what, what, what Paul writes and Peter writes and John writes and other people, Jude, those are epistles. But Paul says we are living epistles. The blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony, the word of our testimony is the living epistle. And it's not something necessarily that's written, but it's something that's on our hearts that we get to share with others. We get to be Jesus with skin on to other people. So it matters Discipleship really matters. Because when we're discipled, we learn how to be more like Jesus because discipleship is the process of becoming like Jesus. And so maybe sometimes you're like, oh, maybe house groups aren't, aren't for me or maybe that discipleship's not for me. It's like it is for you because Jesus, there is like the great commandment and like the great commission and they're really the same thing. To love God with all your heart and to love your neighbor as yourself, great commandment. 
And the Great Commission is to make disciples. Well, we love God when we live as disciples, when we love other people, when we go make disciples. To love him is to obey him. And so part of being gospelly fluent is that we're obedient people, that even if we don't want to do it, or even if it doesn't fit our schedule, or it's not something we're totally comfortable with, that when we say yes to Jesus, we reorient the whole of our existence around him because we know he's the king. Right? That whole thing, he's the Lord. That we reorient our life so we can make disciples. And so we get to, and part of how we do this is everything we do, we can do unto him. Maybe it's cutting less corners. Maybe it's telling the truth more. Maybe it's being more spiritually obvious. Maybe it's being less spiritually obnoxious. You know, there's a bunch of things like, There's all these things when we start orienting our lives around the spirit of God, when we get more gospel fluent, when we start understanding, and and the the Bible's so important. I'm not saying that you have to be the most amazing Bible teacher or preacher, because I'm not, but man, I, I read this thing every single day. Because Jesus says, my words, they are life. And his words, when we eat them, when we digest them, they affect our lives. They affect the lives of other people. And so how we get gospel fluent is we know the story. We know the story of Jesus. And when we start to see it and we start to read it and we start to understand it more and we start to obey it, we become more gospel fluent. Does that make sense? Anyone here know a second language? Uh, uh, Millen was just a boss. He was just sharing, like, someone said, someone knows Spanish, and Millen walks over there, and, like, the brother starts rapping in Espanol, and I'm like, dang it. Like, I was going to be like, hola, you know, and, like, like, Millen broke it down. But Millen didn't just learn that overnight. Anyone here fluent or partially fluent in a second language? There we go. Did you learn that language just by reading it a few times? First 20 years. First 20 That's the truth. Um, But it's immersing yourself in something. It's immersing yourself in a culture. It's immersing yourself. It's It's why we don't have loads of ancillary activities around here, but we have loads of disciple making opportunities because we want people to be immersed in a disciple making culture because that's how you're gonna understand the language better. You're gonna understand the texture, the fabric, the feel, what the ins and outs of it are. And that's why we talk about discipleship groups and house groups. And this might feel like a shameless plug for a program. It's not a program here, it's the program. We're gonna do one thing amazing and we're not doing it amazing yet. We're gonna make disciples that make disciples that make disciples. If there's one thing, that if there's one thing we're gonna hone in on, it's gonna be that because that's what Jesus told us to do. There's no plan B. There's no plan B, we are the plan. Discipleship is the plan. It's not build big churches and come to the concert and the spiritual TED talk. It's not just have great feeding programs or go do nice stuff. It's, all that stuff is okay. I'm just saying the thing is, we're gonna be really good at making disciples. Now, we wanna have good messages. We wanna have good worship. We love feeding the poor and helping the under-resourced. We love doing those things. We love helping foster kids and widows and orphans. We love doing those things, but those things are not the point. They are the result of our love of Jesus. The thing we're gonna focus on over and over and over and over again till we're really good at it 
is we're going to make disciples that make disciples that make disciples. But to do that, we first need to be disciples. You can't give what you don't have. You can't make something without that experience, without that understanding. And I think it's imperative, what we talk about all the time, that our vision is to love God, make disciples, impact the world. That there's that up and outness, and you've heard us talk about that triangle, kind of, of that trifecta of up, of loving Jesus passionately. So when we talk about prayer canopy, when we talk about prayer, we're, we're not joking. Like, the pathway to Jesus, that's the medium, is his word and prayer, is the, is the, is the, is, that's the way in. Now, a lot of us will come to Jesus through other people, but if we want to get to know him deeply, deeply and richly, that, we've, that we'll develop a life of prayer. We'll develop a life of intimacy with Jesus. And that's what up is. Up is about having a life of worship. Worship comes from the old English, worth Skype, which means worth, to ascribe worth to something. So do we show God worth in our lives? If we don't regularly engage him in our week, if we don't think about him, if we don't talk to him, if we don't want to honor him, do we really show him much worth? It's about like aligning our time, talent, and treasures around the kingdom as opposed to just what we want to do. And it can affect everything. What we watch, we start watching different things. And we can't change everything we see, but we can change how we see everything, right, when Jesus meets us. And so we, we choose to maybe listen to different things. We choose to turn off some of the chatter of the world and turn on, like, the words of the kingdom and the voice, the song of Jesus that's flowing in our hearts and flows around us. Maybe we choose to um, stop buying a coffee every day and say, okay, Lord, um, I, I'm not ready to maybe give 10%, but I'm ready to buy my own coffee and maybe I can give that 20 bucks a week to help out the cause. It's just starting to orient our lives. Like fluency starts with learning hola. You know, that's what it is. Or hello, V Gates. Konnichiwa. You know, whatever it is. Like you just, whatever that is, you start learning a word or two. You start taking a step or two and you step off and then eventually it's more and more and more. And, and that's what it is. It's just how do I orient my life around the kingdom? And that's what gospel fluency, that's where it starts. And this is really basic. This is really basic, but um, no one ever got to be like and really mature and grown without growing first, right? So some of the biggest people you've ever met, they were once little people. They once fit inside of a mom. Some of them fit less comfortably inside their mom and others fit differently. Like my buddy Ray, I felt bad, still feel bad for his mom. Um, <laughs> so, but, but everyone starts off and we all grow. We don't all grow at the same pace. We don't all grow the same size. We don't all the same color, the same gender. We don't all have the same, you know, whatever, but we all have the opportunity in Jesus to grow, to have a life that's amazing impact and consequence. It really is. And you know, what we talk about a lot is, um, is you know, I, I always say to the staff, like, listen, we're going to go slow now to go fast later. We're going to be bad at this first before we're good at it. Because it's kind of like, like this guy I just read, I was reading this book the other day, um, like he says, 
He said, suck forward. Like, it's okay to like suck, like, but suck like in the right direction. Don't like just be like, man, I suck and it's done. But like, keep, keep being bad at it till you're good at it. Keep being bad at it. Keep practicing. Anyone ever wanted to do something and you're like, man, I just want to hit a baseball or I want to shoot a basketball or I want to write or I want to, you know, uh, play an instrument or I want to cook. Like, listen, anyone who's really good at something was probably bad at it at some time first. So this doesn't have to be a culture where you're ashamed or where you're like, oh, I'm just, you know, I've never made a disciple or I never have shared my faith with someone. Well, guess what? Everyone had a first time, right? Everyone had a first time. And the more we do it, the better we will get at it. But do our lives, do our lives though, do, do they or do we want them to tell the story things can change? Do we want them to say that things have changed in my life or that they are changing? I was on a plane on uh, Friday flying from San Diego. Somehow they thought it was a good idea to take me from San Diego to Seattle to Cincinnati. It's like, like yeah, hey, I'm going to take you from San Diego to Beijing. And then to sit, I'm like, I don't know. It was really far. But I was just praying. I'm like, Jesus, will you just give me an opportunity today to be able to share your love with someone? And I sit down. And about five minutes later, this girl says, hey, I'm sitting there. I'm like, okay, great. I had something sitting there. And I picked it up. And she sits down next to me. And she's, you know, Young girl, 20s, um, you know, just kind of cool, way cooler than me. I'm like, you know, you know, kids are, they're just cool. And I'm just like this dorky old fat guy. And, and she just sits down next to me and we just got talking. And I just listened to her for a long time. And I just kept asking her questions. Do you know one of the best ways to share the gospel is to listen first? It's not always the talk. It's not the talk in this weird Christianese. Do you know you do not have to um, shove stuff down people's throats? One of the best ways of getting gospel fluent is to be able to first listen to the Spirit so then we can then listen to what's going on around us. That's why prayer is important. If you never take time to pray, you will never probably be as effective as you could be in uh, sharing God's love with other people. Because learning how to keep one ear on what the person's saying and then one ear on what God's saying. And you're like, okay, how do I coalesce these, Jesus? And so this girl's talking, and I, and I just kept saying, like, God, you got something for it. You got a word of knowledge or something. And he wouldn't do anything. I just kept saying, say, listen, listen, listen. And then she started talking about, like, she's like, I just want to make the world beautiful. She's like, I just want to make the world beautiful and make it a better place. And um, I was reading... I was reading this book, Beauty Will Save the World. And I started talking to her about it. I said, I said you know, it's funny you said that. I said, I'm reading this book called uh, Beauty Will Save the World. And she's like, really, that's interesting. That's an interesting phrase. And I said, yeah, it's a, from this dude, Fyodor Dostoevsky, from this, book, from this book about 140 years ago, The Idiot, it's called. And there's this phrase in it. And I said, and it's where this guy, and when she said, well, what does it mean? And I said, well, it's kind of as Russia's at the turning point when the monarchies are about to fall, the Bolshevik, uh, like the Bolshevik revolutions, like on the horizon. And I was like, and there's this one lady, this dazzling beauty who everyone has the hots for the married guys, the unmarried guys, like the generals, the lowlifes, and this guy, Prince Mishkin, who's the idiot, because he's just this dumb little kind of wobbly guy. 
but everyone, but they keep calling him like this idiot. And um, and she says to Prince Mishkin, like she's talking about her beauty, and she's like, "Do I charm you or whatever?" And he's like, and he says, and I can't remember exactly how it goes, but he says, "That is right." He's like, "Beauty." He's like, "Beauty will do it all." He says, "Beauty." will save the world. And he said, but not a beauty like yours. And he starts telling her the gospel of Jesus. He says, what y'all are trying to do by power, by, by might, by full figure for, for smarts, he's like, that'll never save the world. He's like, I'm just an idiot. He's like, but the thing that's changed my world is Jesus. And Dostoevsky wrote this, and if you put beauty will save the world in a search engine, you will get thousands and thousands of pages and hits of philosophers talking about this, secular, spiritual, people. Like, it has been a mesmerizing quote. Maybe you've heard it. It's like, beauty will save the world. And what's the beauty? It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's Jesus with skin on in you and me. The Holy Spirit says, I'm going to inhabit you and let me kind of take over and watch what I do. And I started telling this girl, I said, beauty will save the world. And I said, and beauty saved my world. And I just started telling her some parts of my story. And I said, I was so messed up. I had no hope. I said, and I was like a Jewish kid with like a ton of questions. And Jesus met me. And he loves me. And um, all the questions you have for your life and all these things that you're, like, you're, you're asking questions for, I want to tell you, I think Jesus is the answer for every one of them. So this purpose that you feel, this, um, this connection spiritually that you feel, it's because of Jesus. He's calling you, he's wooing you, and I believe he even sent me here today to sit by you because you're asking these questions. And tears just filled this young girl's eyes. It was just the beauty of the gospel. It was the blood of the lamb and the word of my testimony. There were no parlor tricks. I didn't pray for her and she didn't get healed or I didn't really have a word of knowledge or anything. Sometimes that happens. When that happens, that's like, that's so easy because it's like, bam, it's just right there. But it was like Jesus just wanted, I think even in preparation of this, like he wanted me to be able to talk about the blood of the lamb, his beauty, in the word of my testimony, that that beauty will save the world. And I think the church has missed it. The church has lost its sense of mystery Think about what we've honed in on the last 400 years. It has been pragmatics and morals. But what about the mystery? What about the beauty? What about the power? What about changed lives? What about something more? So, like, discipleship's not Bible study. Discipleship is not just small groups. Now, it has smaller group component, and it has... uh, talking about the Bible together, but it's not the same thing. It's got like the, like the main thing is that disciples can hear from God. So the first thing we're gonna be, t- that we teach in these things is like the mystery of God, of God with us and understanding how to orient our lives towards his voice, towards his beauty. That we understand how to orient our hearts towards what he's saying and what he's doing to who he is, to how he is. That's where discipleship differs. And I think that the church has been like, it's been apologetics and Bible study. But like, as we've missed the beauty, it's no, it's no um, confusion about why the Holy Spirit hasn't been very present in the American culture. It's no confusion about why most of us live very empirical lives that we can quantify, measure, and balance. 
but there's, we don't leave a lot of room for the Spirit of God to move, to work, to talk. And I think we, we miss out on our best move of gospel fluency uh, by missing that part of the beauty of the mystery of God and how his Spirit lives inside of us and wants to commune with us, and he wants to lead us. That's the beauty that saves the world, is Jesus rose from the dead. Well, Jesus didn't rise from the dead by a great sermon or by a great church. Jesus rose from the dead by the Spirit of God. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead will also give lives to our mortal bodies, Paul says in Galatians and Romans. So this Holy Spirit thing is really important. And we, we say we want to be a culture of Spirit-empowered disciple-making. That, that's, that's the point, is we want to learn, we want to teach people how to hear God to obey him and then teach others to do the same. So it's, it's really, it's important. Like what we're doing with house groups, house groups are kind of the first on-ramp towards disciple-making efforts. And so you're wondering if it's for me. I would say if you wanna grow as a disciple, either maybe you're super spiritually mature, then lead one or be a co-leader. And if you're like, man, I just want some family, spiritual community, like I wanna grow, well, we'll get in one, get in one. Because God it's all, like, like the God, it's not about programs, it's about families. And it's not about a building, it's about people. It's not about building walls, it's about building people. It's about building character. It's about, and, and if you think about this, don't we live in a really unparented culture right now? We live in a culture that is more unparented than any age in our nation's history. I mean, over half of all kids are born out of wedlock. So that means over half of kids don't have their mom or dad full-time in their lives, and many of them don't. And the drug pandemic, the epidemics are sweeping our country. There's so many kids. Like, the foster care system is flooded. There's not enough foster parents because there's not enough parents that will be the parents that they're called to be. And part of becoming gospelly fluent is knowing how to be not only a better person, but a better mom and dad. Or maybe you're like, I don't even have kids. Well, you can spiritually parent without having kids. If you're gospel fluent and you know Jesus and you love Jesus, you can, if you can hear, if you can obey, you can share with other people and train them up in that. And so gospel fluency is imperative. And so I wanna ask you today as we're wrapping up, does Jesus's message permeate every facet of your life? And the, the, how about my health? How, does Jesus, do I treat my body like the temple? Do I eat things that honor him? Because honestly, if we're, if we're 50, 100 pounds overweight, like honestly, and I know this isn't popular to talk about, but if we're really overweight or we're really just out of shape, like we're not honoring God with our bodies the way we could. And I'm not saying everyone has to be like honored. I'm not saying that, but like Jesus wants us to put good things in because he, he says longevity is a gift. I'm not saying everyone's gonna do that, but like he wants us to honor him because we can't give what we don't have. And so if we have one area of our life that is really out of whack, don't just think that one area. Oh, I'm, you know, I got this drinking issue, but I'm a great guy. Or I'm 100 pounds overweight, but I'm, it's not like, no, there's, there's probably a lot of, excess in other places or a lot of deficiency in other places because excess in one part creates deficiencies in others. And the key question of discipleship is, would other people want my life? And if we're unhealthy, if our marriage is a wreck, if we're steeped in debt, 
if we're like, you know, if, if we just don't have any friends, if we're anxious all the time, if we got a truth problem, if we cuss like sailors, if we're belligerent, if, you know, whatever it is, and I'm not saying we all stumble in many ways, okay? But I'm saying, but if we have issues in our lives that are like pretty big issues, would other people want our life? The answer's probably no. Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. Like he's saying, like, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm going for it. I'm giving it all. And I had this real aha a couple years ago. I'm like, man, I looked at the qualifications of an elder. I'm like, I'm mad all the time. I'm fat. I, I'm arguing. My wife and I are in a bad spot. And I was just looking at all these things. And I'm like, man, other, I know this is the qualifications for an elder or a leader. But I'm like, I don't know if anyone would want my life right now. I don't know if anyone, if they looked under, if I was real honest with them, could I you know, open up my chest and be like, no thanks. Because we're living epistles. And the jurisdiction of Jesus should touch every part of our lives. It should touch our health. It should touch the environments where we live. It should touch our conversations. It should touch our um, faith. It should touch what we watch on TV. It should touch our conversations. It should touch how we spend our money. It should touch how we spend our time, our marriages, how we talk to people. Maybe we're bitter. That's not kingdom-centric. And I'm saying we all struggle in many ways. I'm not saying we're gonna be perfect, but I'm saying the more fluent we get in the gospel, the more these chains fall off our lives. Maybe we're greedy. Maybe we're cheap. Maybe we're harsh. Like there's these things that Jesus is like, I want you to orient. I want you to hear my voice. And when we read his word, we start seeing how he wants us to talk to people, how he wants us to talk about ourselves. Maybe you talk bad about yourself all the time. Maybe you're the nicest person in the world, but you put yourself down. That's a, it's as I get more gospelly fluent, as I understand the gospel, I can see myself as Jesus sees me and I won't talk about myself bad. Or as I see other people the way Jesus sees them, I won't talk to them like they owe me something. Because I'll see them the way he does, and he gave up his life for them too. And so it's good news for every area of our life. It's not just good news for the afterlife. That's what the gospel is. This book I was reading, Caesar Kalinowski, and uh, it's called Slow as... Um, slow is fast, uh, small is big, slow is fast. He says the gospel must permeate the discipling environment. It is good news for every area of our life, not just good news about the afterlife. The gospel answers every problem, changes fear to faith, and gives us, and gives us motivation to submit all of our life to the lordship of Jesus. In him alone, we find security, significance, approval, joy, and satisfaction. So your life matters. Whether you know it or not, your life matters. And maybe you're really convicted by something I said today or really angry, but like that, that first step is just where it starts. So I didn't lose weight overnight or I didn't start being nicer overnight. I didn't start doing ABC overnight. And, and I still got a ways, ways to go. I mean, I'm still short for my weight. You know, I mean, I'm like, I'm a work in progress. But, um, you know, it's it's... But it's like, I, I want to surrender more and more. I want to suck forward. You know what I mean? I want to just like, okay, Lord, I'm not good at this. I'm not good at this. I'm trying, but I'm, I'm, I want to keep coming towards you. I want everything that you have because my life matters because I'm a living epistle. And the way I honor Jesus in my life 
will speak loudly to the lives of others that I share his story and his impact on my life with. And so, just encourage you to pray this week and ask God. Say, God, am, where, where in my life am I, do you want me to be more fluent in the gospel? Where in my life do you want me to come closer? Where in my life, Jesus, am I not letting your finger touch it? Where am I not letting your gentle yoke lift some stuff off of me? Where am I holding real heavy stuff and not putting your yoke on? Like these are the things that are really important as a church. And this might really seem baseline. But like in Hebrews, it says, um, in Hebrews chapter six, it says this. And, um, sorry. It says, so let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ coming again. And let us instead become mature, uh, instead let us become uh, mature in our understanding. Surely we don't need to start again with the fundamental importance of uh, repenting from evil deeds and placing faith in God. You don't need further instruction about baptism, laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And so, God willing, we will move forward into further understanding. Well, we're not there yet. There's some basic stuff that I'm pretty sure we don't get as people and as a church. But what we're gonna work on, what we're gonna go slow on now to go fast later, is we're gonna get gospelly fluent as a church, and we're gonna do that. Up here is just gonna be a loop, teaching, training tactics on disciple-making and disciple-living. That's what we're gonna talk about. We're not gonna have pyrotechnics. I'm not gonna, like, lose my mind and, like, you know, grow a big mohawk. I mean, that'd be sweet. It would actually kind of be, like, out here I could grow one, and, um, but it wouldn't be down the middle. Um, but, like, you know, we're just not gonna, we're not gonna focus on stuff that's not the main and plain. And so you want to go really deep? You want to go really deep? Jump in a discipling group. Jump in a house group. That's, that's going to be the deep stuff. Here, we're going to worship Jesus, bring him honor, but we want to just keep funneling people to the most important thing. And hearing me talk is not the most important thing. That you talking the talk and walking the walk, that's the most important thing. Yeah, go ahead. You don't... Okay, sure. Hi, my name is Rachel. I have a story to share. I didn't want to share it earlier, and you called me out, and I've been shaking this entire service. Um, over the weekend, I had a coworker. Uh, we just went back into office. I had a coworker talk to me, and she said, I'm in a new relationship, and my current boyfriend keeps telling me to read the Bible and I don't want to read the Bible. And I was like, well, what, you know, why don't you want to read the Bible? And she was like, well, I've gone through a lot in my life, and I've been burned by the church and my faith, and this relationship has kind of thrown me for a loop because it's all coming back into my life, and I don't know how to react to it. And I was like, oh, when was the last time you went to church? And she said, honestly, I haven't gone since I was a kid. Mm. And I was like, well, I was like, I'll tell you my story. I'll do my best not to make this long. Um, I went to church as a kid as well. I was raised in the church. And um, once I hit 18, 19, I kind of just stepped away and did whatever I wanted to do. And I went down a really hard, long path. And I blamed everybody else but myself. Ooh, sorry. And I'm also a crier, so if I cry, sorry. <laughs> um, 
And I told her, I said, my mom told me that there is this small group called Rooted that the church was putting on and that I should go. And I was like, mom, come on. Like, I just go Easter's Christmas. I don't want to do an actual, like, small group thing. It's not my thing. And she's like, just go. I bought you the book. You have to go. I was like, okay, fine. I'll go. And I went. And I told this coworker, I said, I went within the first, like, two weeks of being in this group. God called me out. It was like, look what you're doing. Look where you've been. I've been here the whole time. Mm. And I didn't want to listen at all. And my small group can tell you I didn't want to listen. And I ignored him, and I ignored him, and I ignored him. And at the end of the small group, my husband started coming. Mm. And I was like, what is happening? Now my husband's included. Like, are you kidding? What? And at the end of the small group, we joined youth group (laughs) and we're now volunteers for youth group and she's looking at me and she's like well I don't want to be called out she's like I I don't it doesn't sound like fun to me and I said with the way that you're talking it already sounds like God's calling you out like he's already stating hey I'm here Hmm. I'm speaking to you through this new relationship and you're ignoring it and now I'm bringing it up at work and normally at work we don't talk about religion just because it's a taboo subject. And I was like, maybe this is God calling you out. I said, we've all been through stuff. And she's like, yeah, but, you know, that's just one sign. And I told her, I said, you were here when my husband, my husband's diabetic, my husband lost his leg due to diabetes. Nine months before that, we ended up being pregnant with our baby girl. And... It was nine years we didn't have any kids. I thought we were done. We got pregnant nine months later. We have some tragedy in our family. My brother-in-law dies suddenly. My husband almost dies, loses his leg. And two months later, we have a baby girl. You can't explain that to me. There's, sorry, I cried everything, but you can't explain to me that God knew giving us that baby would keep my husband here. Mm. And she's looking at me and she starts crying and I'm crying because that's what I do. (laughs) And and she was like, you know, because she's like, I watched you walk through that. I didn't at work. And she's like, I've never seen somebody stay so strong. And I said, that's what I'm telling you. If that's not God, you can't explain it to Mm. me. And she was like, will you pray with me? And I was like, yes. And I walked over. Amen. And I prayed with her. And she actually went to the vineyard in Covington today. So. Wow. Thanks, Rachel. Sorry. That was great. No, and that's, and that's exactly, thank you. That's exactly what it is. It's about our stories. So people don't want to be preached at. Like, I think that people just want to hear that it's real. And the more we understand that, and the more we understand this, this this is important because it helps us understand him. It's his word, right? Jesus is the word made flesh. So this is like, you know, Jesus in pages in a sense. Like that's what he wants us to know about him. And when we, when we live like that and we love like that, like our, our lives matter. So your life matters. No matter where you are, you might be in that place where you're like, I don't, there's nowhere to go but up. Great. 
suck at it going forward and then you'll get better at it. Or maybe you've been doing this a long time. Well, time to be a spiritual parent or keep being a spiritual parent. You know, wherever we are, it's like we want the gospel to orient, that we want to orient all of our lives around it and we want to be able to do what Jesus did and do it how he did it. We want to be able to love ourselves well, love him well, and love others well. So let's just pray today and um, I'm just going to close. And, and if you want some prayer, if there's anything uh, you need prayer for, we would love to pray for you. So thank, thank you, Rachel. This was like the Rachel day. So <laughs> triple R's sharing. So Jesus, thank you for your love. Thank you for this church. And just thank you for the good news. Thank you for the good news, Lord, that um, our life matters, that we have purpose no matter how far we've gone or how far away we feel, Lord, or how um, just insignificant maybe our life's even been to this point. Lord, our life matters. Every life matters to you. We're of great value to you. And Lord, you want us to be people who overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. So I pray, Lord, that uh, the Vineyard Florence would just be a really gospelly fluent church and that discipleship would just start to happen on an exponential level. That we wouldn't just make disciples, Lord. We'd be, make disciples who make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. We love you and we bless you. And it's your name we pray, Father. Amen.